0: Welcome to episode 628 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast, brought to you by the Digital Media Zone. I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And the voice that you didn't hear there was Josh, who's out this week. But I'm very happy to be joined by Gavin Campbell from the Home Tech Podcast. Hi, Gavin. Good evening,
1: I guess it is. It is, Uh, it is indeed. When someone's listening to it, (laughs) but uh,
0: you know, I'm glad to finally make this podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I know you've been a listener for a while, and you know, (laughs) you and I had the opportunity to just meet each other for the first time in person last week. Yes, that was awesome. Like, we went to Cedia, you know,
1: um, I I went there mainly just to meet everybody that was said they were going, you know, like I listened to all these voices. I've talked to people and it was so great to finally meet everybody in person. Um, And I had such a great time over there in Denver. Like it was a great
0: time. It was a lot of fun. Now we're not going to talk about anything CD related, but I will say that I did get to see the uglier in real life PlayStation five for the first time in person. I've never actually seen one IRL, and wow, that's awful. And I also saw the Xbox for the first
1: time in real life. Like, <laughs> I've never I've never seen even that in, in real life, but, you know, like, those systems, I don't know what to say about them.
0: Yep, yep. All right, well, we're not going to talk about either of those specifically in this episode, but we are going to dive into our usual video, audio, and gaming stories. So let's get at it. First up, we have Max. Max is going to reportedly offer some free sports later this year. So before we get into this, I had a correction for the last time that we talked about new content on Max, and that was that CNN is going to have an area on Max where they will be offering some of their live programming. And I was under the impression that the stuff was not actually going to be live. Well, It is. They are going to have certain shows that will be live, synchronized with when those shows might be available otherwise. And we also talked about this Jake Tapper show, and I hadn't heard of it, but I just played along and turns out I hadn't heard of it because it's a new show. It's something that they're going to be doing specifically for this new CNN area in Max. Kind of like they were doing in the failed, well, not so much failed, but uh, short-lived, let's say, CNN+. So we are going to get some original programming as part of that too. But now the news that we have from Bloomberg is that major league sports are also going to be coming to max. Now, this isn't a huge, huge surprise because despite the fact that I really don't pay attention to sports ball, I... I'm aware that Werner Brothers Discovery does have media rights for a lot of the major leagues like M- NBA, MLB, NHL, and some others. So you got the content. Why not put it there, right? Now, up top, I said it was going to be free. What Bloomberg is expecting is that this content will be free initially as a trial, and then sometime around maybe February, March, March, March is a big basketball time when everybody wants to be watching basketball. That's probably when they're going to start charging for it.
1: Yeah. I'm a little jealous about this because I'm pretty sure up here in Canada, we don't get all the fun stuff like you guys do down there, but this was something I find like when it comes to streaming, um, sports was always a pain because, either you get some of the games but not all of the games or you don't get them at all um i'm a big sports watcher i watch nba i probably watch too much nba i watch the nfl <laughs> i watch mlb nhl yeah i watch that too um and even golf hopefully they have the rights to golf too because i watch a lot of the golf um um shows as well so This is a good thing. And the fact that, you know, hopefully it will all be under like one app or one umbrella, you know, like it will make it easier because then you don't have to
0: worry about where things are. Well, exactly. And, you know, if you think about it, the two holdouts that keep people oftentimes from cutting the cord and getting rid of their linear television service are sports and news. And if Max is offering sports and news, that solves a lot of problem for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. In, in, in the Toronto area, one of the biggest news channels, and you see this on every TV up here, everybody watches it, is CP24. That's our local news channel up here. And yeah, when you cut the cord, that's the first thing you're going to miss because you watch that every morning. You watch it in the evenings. You watch it more than you really realize. And when you don't have it, Um, it, it really hits you, but, um, if they can get online to one of these services as well,
0: um, it would help Canadians cut the cord too. Ah, well, there you go. Need to write some letters. Do people still write letters? I don't know. Send emails. There you go. All right. Well, also in the video world, turns out that, um, Google play movies and TV still exists. Did you know that? I never even used it. So (laughs) I didn't pay attention to Google Play TV and movies. So the Google Play Movies and TV app has been around for a good long time. When Google Play came out, they came out with all these different apps that served different segments of their media offerings. And Google Play Movies and TV was available on smart TVs. It was available specifically also on Android TVs. And it was available on Android mobile devices. Well, around about 2021, they pulled it off of smart TVs like Roku TV, Samsung, stuff like that, and just directed people to YouTube to go get their content. Because anything that they purchased would be available for them in YouTube. And you know what? I always forget about that. When I run upon a movie in YouTube that I own through Movies Everywhere, Movies anywhere. I, I'm always shocked that it's there because I'm like, I don't think of YouTube as a place where purchase stuff is. You know, it's kind of weird. It is weird, and, and that's the
1: problem with these streaming services is they're constantly changing, right? Like, <laughs> right? Like this. This is one of the reasons why I couldn't let tell my mom to cut the cord and use these apps is because right. you know you get something like this one day, and then Google, who's known for killing stuff, right, will come along and just change it and she'll be the first to call me to complain that, hey, she can't get whatever show she's used to watching.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it would have been gone from her smart TV in 2021. She would have had to go to YouTube. Can you imagine parents dealing with YouTube? I just, yeah, no. And then in 2022, they took it off of phones and tablets and guided people toward the Google TV app that was then available for mobile devices. Well, now by October 6th, it's going to be removed from Android TV devices. So these are smart TVs that are specifically driven by the Android TV OS. And this is the last vestige. These are the last the last holdouts, if you will. There is now a shop tab that you can go to on Android TV that has all this stuff in it. You don't have to go to all these different apps for this stuff, which was never, ever, ever a good idea. But, you know, Google just tries stuff out and then gives up on it when they realize that it doesn't work. Now, the other thing that's important about this October 6th date is that if you had one of these smart TVs where they removed your content and moved it all to YouTube, then you received a credit toward, eh, probably like a cheap discounted movie or a rental. I think you got like $6 or something like that. That credit will expire also on October 6th. So, if you still have that and you want to take advantage of it, you have less than a
1: month to do it. You know, I'm really holding my tongue uh and avoiding going on a smart TV grand right now. <laughs> no, I <Like>, do, <laughs> do it. do no, it. Do it. No, no. I don't I I really <laughs> really hate the smart TV. And this is the that's one of the reasons. Is the, I feel like you have no control over it. One day you'll have an app, the next day they pull it. You know, ads ads on my TV is something that drives me nuts. Oh yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, I, I could go on for too long. This this podcast is only going to be so long.
0: Yeah, we'll direct people over to the home tech podcast if they want to hear you talking about that because you're right about it. It is very annoying. All right, moving on to audio. We have a new sound bar that hits around the sub one thousand dollar market, which is a pretty crowded space right now. But this is interesting because this is from Sennheiser. If you know the Sennheiser brand, you know, they're known for really good audio. I'm talking in a Sennheiser mic right now, and they have a soundbar called the Ambio Max available for a mere $2,500. Yeah. Not that many people are going to be buying that soundbar from them. So now they're trying to hit the more popular price range for this sort of thing. And they're coming in with a new $900 soundbar that's about the size of the Sonos Beam, which is the smaller of the Sonos soundbars. But it's designed to compete with the Arc, which is the larger, more expensive one. It has four full range drivers, it has two 4-inch subwoofers. Interestingly enough, it supports Dolby Atmos, but it has no physical upward speakers. So that means it's doing that all through audio processing. It's tricking your brain into thinking that the sound is above you. It also supports HDMI arc, of course, because that's how you're going to get sound to it from your TV and anything else that happens to be plugged into your TV and it has Amazon's assistant on board with four mics that let you be heard no matter what's going on in the space, as well as uh, something that can be used when you're calibrating the speaker in your space. Now, they say $900, but right now Best Buy has this available for about $800. And, of course, it's like $799 and $899, but I don't use ridiculous prices like that. So, it, it, you can find it cheaper, which is nice. It's still more expensive than a lot of soundbars. It doesn't have a subwoofer. It's some, meaning like a separate subwoofer that would come with it. A lot of these systems have a separate subwoofer. But like Sonos, they have one available that you can purchase. And that's about a $700 add-on, which is pretty comparable to Sonos's similar subwoofer. So if you're looking for a high-end type of soundbar solution for Atmos in your home or home theater and you just can't bring yourself to get into the Sonos system, this might be a good alternative.
1: It's definitely a good price and it does compete with the Sonos. Um and when when I think of soundbars, it's one of the best things you can do for your TV. I always advise people, you know, if you're still using the TV built in speakers, just add a sound bar. It makes such a big difference and I love it. And I put sound bars, it doesn't have to be an expensive sound bar. Right. Like I, I usually, I've grabbed older um, Sonosoft soundbars off of Marketplace because the newer ones come with all these features that you'll never take advantage of. Um, it, you just need something that just sounds better than the built in speakers. And it's an easy, cheap upgrade. Um, that you can add to your TV, uh, you, it will make a huge difference. And anything is
0: going to sound better than your built-in speakers. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So this isn't exactly the type of thing you'd buy in that use case. But if you're looking for a good sound system that's going to add that whole Dolby Atmos experience, this is a nice consideration. And the size of it is really appealing too, because sometimes these... Atmos soundbars can be huge. So this is, I think, only like 27 inches long, nice, compact device that won't take up a ton of space on your console or shelf or wherever it is that you have your TV, hopefully not over your fireplace. But that's another rant for another day. Now, speaking of Sonos, Sonos came out with a new iteration of their Move speaker. You mean You may remember that Move was their first entree into portable speakers, and specifically outdoor portable speakers. Customers have been asking them for years to come out with some sort of outdoor speaker solution. So they had a battery-operated solution that lasted for about 11 hours total. Not the best, but it was well-received. It sounded good. It's expensive. costs about $400. Now... They're enhancing that pretty significantly, actually. So they've doubled the battery life to 24 hours. That's more than double the battery life, actually. And they've made the battery replaceable. So from an ecological perspective, that's a much better way of handling a long-term device like that. Your battery may likely die before the device itself is unusable. So why not replace the battery? Now, I don't know that they've announced anything yet, about any sort of replacement battery program or what they would cost or anything like that. But I like that they're thinking ahead that way. It adds a whole bunch of stuff. So they're adding another amplifier. They went from two to three amplifiers on board. It's adding another tweeter. So there was one tweeter before. Now there are two tweeters pointing in different directions so that you get stereo separation from one speaker, which is nice. They're also enabling stereo pairing of two separate Move speakers through Bluetooth, which is a nice capability, and they'll have a line-in through their miserable USB-C dongle thing that you need to use to get audio into it now for some reason, but at least it's consistent with what they're doing with their other products. And most importantly, it's now available not just in black and white, but also in mossy green. (laughs) <laughs> that That's a
1: huge thing right there.
0: You know, a new color. Oh, that, that'll that be great. That that will sell a lot right there. What's interesting about it is that it is an outdoor product, right? So making it green and something that's going to maybe blend a little bit better if you're taking it with you to a picnic or out on to your lawn or whatever, that's kind of cool. I mean, I, I I think it's a smart move. It's more gimmicky than anything else. But I would bet that if I bought one, I would probably get it in green. Now, am I going to buy one? I'm not. A couple reasons. I don't really need an outdoor speaker of that caliber. I don't really go places where I need to have that kind of audio. And I have wired speakers outside here, so I don't need to worry about that. But um, the other reason that I'm not buying it is because they did what they do every time they come out with a new generation of product. And instead of adding new features on the existing product and keeping the cost the same because technology improves, which brings costs down in the long run. No, 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 no. They use this, as always, as an opportunity to raise the price of the device from what was once $400, just under $400, to just under $450. Are you kidding me? And that's American. Every every time I look at American
1: prices, I think of what that translates to Canadian.
0: Yeah, right. That's probably like six hundred for you, right? I mean, yeah, it's a lot more. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, ah, it just it's just so infuriating. They do this all the time. It's the only company I know that does this all the time. Most companies come out with you know a new uh, tier of a product to be able to add to the price, but they're just shamelessly increase their prices every time they come out with a new generation.
1: Yeah. And and like you, I have no reason to buy this. I do have the Sonos Rome and that's the small portable one. Yeah, you know what? It's just good enough for me. We have it in the backyard. We don't even turn it up to the max at all. And it still gives us some pretty good sound for the backyard. Yep, And I like the fact that it's small and portable, but when you look at the the move they're a bit bigger speaker they're about the size of a 1 i believe right the sonos 1 Bigger. it's um, bigger yeah. than a 1 is it even bigger than a 1 yep. oh wow and, and that's hard to walk with like it's not something you just want to throw in your bag and carry with you right so that that's one of the reasons why i wouldn't i i, I wouldn't go with this but if you like you're outdoors you know you want something a lot louder you have more people around this would probably be good for you right
0: yeah yeah, I, I think it, it could be, particularly if you have like a big yard or something like that, or you're having a party outside. I also have the move. It's great for my purposes. I like that it's compact. I can throw it in my bag. I usually have it in my backpack when I travel. So.
1: And I hope they really like the one issue I have with the Rome is every time someone tries to pair it on Bluetooth, it's a challenge. Like, oh. I don't know. Why oh, I know. It's, so oh,
0: difficult. it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It, yeah, I really hope they, they improve that process somehow. I haven't read anything about that, but yes, I agree 100%. All right, now, it is time to talk about gaming. I know, right? I'm going to talk about gaming. Well, here goes. So first up, we have a story of more increased prices. This is services, so it shouldn't be surprising, right? Sony is raising its price for the PlayStation Plus subscriptions, specifically the 12-month subscriptions, and they're doing this across all tiers. So there are three tiers, Essential, Extra, and Premium. Don't ask me what the difference is. I have no idea. But the PlayStation Plus Essential, which previously cost $60 a month, a penny less, I'm not going to get into that, is now going to cost $80 a month. That's a 33% increase. PlayStation Plus Extra cost $100 a month. It is now going to cost... Now, I got to say this one exactly because it's a ridiculous price. $134.99. Come on. That is, for some reason, a 35% increase. And then the premium plan, which is currently $120, is going to be about $160, also a 33% increase. So these have kind of already gone into effect. If you Subscribe to these things now for the first time and by a 12-month subscription, this is what you're going to pay. If you change your existing subscription tier from one to another and have a new cost associated with it, this is what you're going to pay. But if you already have the 12-month plan, then the next time that you renew from November 6th on, so let's say you renew in October... This isn't going to affect you. You're going to lock your old rate in for another 12 months. But from November 6th on, if that's when you renew, then you're going to be renewing at the new rate. So your current subscription is going to keep its price. The new subscriptions, when you roll to them or if you add them, are going to be more expensive for you either now or starting in November 6th if you have an existing subscription that you're just renewing. Now, one thing worth mentioning, I don't know that this is worth mentioning. They mention it because it's their, well, it's not that bad claim, which is that this is all still lower than you would pay if you paid monthly or quarterly. But that's just the same as like the Xbox stuff, right? Like if you pay for Xbox Live Gold, Gold live, I can never remember what it is, even though I pay for it. If you pay for that one month at a time or three months at a time, it's way more expensive than if you pay for it for a whole year. It's not like these normal streaming services where you're saving maybe 10%. It's a significant difference. So they just made up a lot of that difference. Maybe now it is just a 10% difference. I don't know and the the part that hurts is i'm
1: not a gamer but these are significant increases 33% <laughs> is a significant increase that especially hits you if you're reliant on this right like they didn't creep it like they didn't do what netflix does and add a dollar every month or something like that right <laughs> they just hit you all at once and these prices that's a, going from 119.99 to 159.99 why didn't they just round it
0: but going from that to that, it hurts. That's thirty three percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, they think you're not going to think it's that bad because it's it's one fifty. It's not one sixty. No, it's one sixty plus. We're going to exactly. add tax, right? So they say, and this is a direct quote: "This price adjustment will enable us to continue bringing high quality games and value added benefits to your PlayStation Plus subscription service." In other words, we'll keep doing what we're doing, and we're going to charge you more.
1: Yeah. They'll continue bringing you. Like, you expect a lot more. Like, if they gave you something more with that price increase that you could justify it, people I don't think would be as mad. But when you're getting the exact same thing, but now it's costing you 33% more, that
0: hurts. It's kind of like the Disney Plus increase that we talked about before. And I think we got that wrong when we talked about it. I think it was going from like 10, to, I thought it was going from like ten to fourteen dollars. It's actually going from eleven to fourteen dollars, but still, it's a big difference. It's a lot of money that you know you're you're paying monthly, and in that case, in this case, you're paying annually. And I'll bet you know it's a gaming subscription. I'll bet a bunch of the people who are using this are students or just out of school, and you know these bills add up. I think they're still trying to figure out what the limits
1: are. Like, it's going to reach a point when people are going to, they just can't afford it anymore or they don't want to pay because we have multiple subscriptions. Yep. And I I think they're still pushing to try and
0: figure out what that limit is. No, I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. And, you know, you used to look at HBO kind of as the gold standard, right? They were the most expensive thing that you could buy. And they've kept their price pretty consistent for years. Now they're starting to creep a little bit as they add more content. We'll see what they do. Like, would you pay $20 for Max? Would you pay $25 for Max? They're going to get to a point where people are like, I don't care how much stuff you add. This is a big bill. And I need to figure out where to cut. So, all right. Enough with my rants about <laughs> service prices. Hey, I don't know if you heard or not, but Apple released some new phones. When? Uh, 24 hours ago. Wow. (laughs) Well, they're not quite available yet, but they will be available by next Friday. And those phones, specifically the Pro model of the phone, is being touted as a major gaming device. The iPhone 15 Pro and the iPhone 15 Pro Max, say that five times fast, is featuring a new A17 Pro chip. This is their own silicon that they produce that has all the GPUs. It has amazing new processing. They talked about ray tracing for way too long, and I didn't understand any of it. But the bottom line is it means that it's capable of supporting console-grade games. And they are bringing games like Assassin's Creed to the iPhone Pro. Not the iPhone 15, but the iPhone 15 Pro will be getting Assassin's Creed Mirage in the first half of 2024. And two new Resident Evil titles, Resident Evil Village and Resident Evil 4, the remake will be available by end of year this year on the iPhone 15 Pro iPhone 15 Pro see it's hard to say and then finally death standing death stranding see i don't know these games i mean i know resident evil but so for games like assassin's creed this is the first time it's ever been on an iphone probably because the manufacturers were just worried that it wouldn't be performant it's not something that couldn't run on a device like that and now it can which is pretty damn cool it, it is pretty cool
1: especially since your iphone is like one tenth of the size of a playstation or xbox right like it's just a little device in your pocket that can process so much they're, they're they're making it a little confusing now because these games will run on one iphone but not the other so you know, I wonder how many people are going to get mad when, you know, they don't have the Pro version of the yep. phone, but they want to play Assassin's Creed. Uh, that would upset me. Now, I, now I'm thinking about if I upgrade, should I get the Pro? Because later on down the road, what won't I be able to do on the uh, on the phone I have if it's not a Pro?
0: Yep. No, that's, that's fair. And that's not unlike what Apple usually does with certain capabilities on those phones, right? Like the Pro has... Camera things that you're not going to get on the other phone. It has some new features that you're not going to get on the standard iPhone. So it's not surprising, but it might cause some confusion for sure. The other thing that I think is going to be interesting, and the article we'll link to mentions this, is our iPhone owners who are used to paying $10 or $15 for a game that they use forever on their device going to be okay paying console game prices because i can pretty much guarantee you that a cast assassin's creed mirage is not going to come to the phone at fifteen dollars it's going to be console price closer to sixty dollars
1: and that is expensive when you think about a a phone game right like i i feel like if I could take my phone at that point and plug it into my TV somehow and get a wireless controller so I can play these games on a bigger screen, then I could kind of justify it. But playing it on a little screen, I guess it's 6.1 inches, and you're going to pay maybe $100 for that game. I don't know how much these games are going to be, but that will start again. You're you're pushing the limits here.
0: Yeah, now they didn't talk about that sort of, uh, you know, kind of, streaming to a nearby TV or something like that. I would imagine that would be possible. I don't know what the latency might be like, right? That might be a problem. If you're a gamer, You latency is not your friend. So that could be problematic. And they might not even offer it. I don't know. But no. that is something interesting to look into. All right. And then finally in gaming, hey, uh, Gavin, do you remember Google Stadia? Yeah, I heard it mentioned a few
1: times. Uh,
0: Yeah. Didn't it get canceled pretty quickly? Yeah. Yeah. That was Google's foray into games. And, well, they didn't let it live a very long life because Google, they were trying something. And it didn't work out for them that way. So they're trying something again. They are trying games on YouTube now. So a select number of users, meaning that this is a very limited experiment right now, might find a new section in their YouTube homepage called Playables. And under Playables, you'll have access to several games. This is on the desktop, meaning in your browser, or on mobile, not on TV. So these are specific to desktop or mobile. Think the kind of games that you used to see in Facebook all the time. These are not big name games. These are just random, no name games. They're trying it out. They're trying to see if people want to play games in YouTube. It's another way to keep keep people on YouTube. It's actually yet another service that's adding games that typically wouldn't have games. I mean, TikTok did this, and uh, uh, Netflix has added games. So. We're seeing other providers of content try to get into the gaming game. I had to go there. Sorry. Is it going to be successful? I don't know. I'm not very optimistic.
1: What do you think, Evan? Uh, I'm not very optimistic because you, you hit the nail on the head with the, there's no big, big name games on it. You know, you need something that will attract people to it, I find. And if there's no big name games, it's just random games that people are going to play. I don't think it's going to be successful. But we'll see, because maybe it's like some no-name games that you can throw in front of your kid and keep them busy for a few hours at a time. Who knows?
0: Well, and it could become it could be no-name games that become huge, right? Like yeah, like mafia wars or something like that, right? I mean, there are some games that cropped up in people's browsers and and uh, mobile apps and Facebook that nobody ever heard of before. So you never know, you never know. But I'm not very optimistic all right well that wraps it up for our news let's now go to what's going on in our entertainment centers and i'm so glad that you're joining me for this this is going to be fun because it'll be a little bit different than we normally do and you know that i'm going to talk about mb a little bit so i'm glad you're planning to talk a little bit about your mb setup let's dive in so we talked about mb having a new windows media center front end that they were beta testing and became available about a week or two weeks ago. And I was very excited about it. I was huge on Media Center. I loved Media Center. This podcast used to be about Media Center. So had to try it out. And the folks at MB helped us get access, helped us get it set up. I installed MB, ran it through my library, and... I ended up having some problems. So a couple of things, Gavin, I'm curious how you do this. When I ingested my library of movies I had backed up into Plex, I followed all of Plex's movie naming rules. And Plex is pretty forgiving in its matching logic. For example, if you have a title that has the actual file name with underscores, and if you're familiar with the file structure, on Blu-ray discs and 4K discs, it might also have something like an underscore T01 or T02 indicating what title it is on the disc. Plex is just going to ignore all that. Pays no attention to it. And it through its library access, is really good at matching titles with what's available out on the internet for the information for the metadata. Unfortunately... MB did not do as good a job for me, and I think part of that was because I don't clean up those titles. Like, if it's not a match, I go into Plex, and I fix it in Plex. I didn't go back to the source and try and update the file name so it would be more likely to match exactly so MB,
1: MB um, has some strict rules they're, they're very flexible with file naming, but they do have actually help articles. Um, and the articles actually outline how um, you're to name your files properly, right? Um, sometimes you can actually put, I think they use the movie database, the TMDB for matching, and you can put the ID actually in the file name and it will know that that's kind of good because it doesn't actually try to match something. It knows exactly what that is. Yeah, you're forcing and it match it. that. Yeah, and the the one thing to look at is especially if you jump between the two, is trying to find like a, a naming convention that will work for both of them, right? Yep. Some systems allow you to have an info file next to your file names that will also include things like the IMDb number that will say this is exactly that movie. We don't have to think about it, right? So naming is very important. I name. My files are pretty much named like the movie name. I, I can't remember the exact format of it, but it would have like the movie name, the year, and sometimes um, the IMDB number in it sometimes, and then part one, part two, et cetera, like that. And it would know from there. It would
0: parse it properly. Nice. Nice. Now, I did reach out to MV Support, and they're going to take a look at my logs and figure out you know, why the matches didn't work. They think it should be working better than it did for me. Another weird thing that I had happen was that it was not able to parse the file names that Media Center had assigned to recordings I'd made from TV and Media Center. And I kind of expected that it would. Now, that might not be a reasonable expectation, but Plex can. So I was really hoping that it would be able to do it. And again, they said it should be able to do it. So hopefully when we dive through the logs, we'll be able to figure out what is going on there. But uh, but it's really cool to see everything up in the media center experience again. I don't know. Have you played with this front end? Do you even care about this front end? No,
1: I, I know there were a lot of Windows Media Center. So, you know, how many years has it been since you used Windows Media Center? It's been quite a number of years. Yeah, probably 10. And now that Yeah, now that you look at it again, how do you feel like, other than, you know, you, things you remember, how do you feel it holds
0: up in today? So that's a really, really good question, Gavin. I will admit that my nostalgic enthusiasm for the experience outweighed my like current feel when i was playing around with it and and i think that there are a couple reasons for that the way that we present content now is much more holistic we dive you into the content we we have these kind of summary dashboard screens with tiles all over the place that here's your music here's your video here's your pictures here's your whatever And Media Center was still built along these segmented lines where each ribbon in the interface, one was for TV, one was for movies, one was for music. And so you don't start in content. You have to first figure out what you want to look at. And then when you dive in and you get details, it had what was extremely common there which is the equivalent of a pop-up or a dialogue, but done media center style. Nowadays, you just go to a different screen and then you come back from that. We don't worry about like doing this stuff with overlays and stuff like that as much. It's it's kind of not as seamless, if you will, on the big screen. So I think that 10-foot interfaces have evolved so much that it does feel a little bit left behind. That said, it's really interesting, and I'm definitely going to play with it for a while to see if it's something that I want to use more regularly. I, I always liked the live TV experience. I still think it has a better live TV experience than, say, Channel's DVR, in terms of just the overall look and feel and convenience navigation stuff like that and that worked great i had no problem hooking that up to my HD home run and having it find all the over air having it play all the over the air channels right away so uh, yeah i this is really cool i'm th- i'm certainly not giving up on it but hit yeah, I, I you asked the you asked the golden question there
1: yeah, I, I took a quick look at it and when I looked at it, I kind of felt like it was uh, dated, you know, um, it, it worked be- probably better back in the day when you had a smaller monitor or your resolution was this high. But with the higher resolutions and stuff we have now, um, like my guide that I use shows me a lot more stuff. You know, if, if I just well, saw five true. yep. If I if I just saw five channels at a time, I'd be scrolling forever just to try and find or one two movies at a time, I'd scroll forever just to find the one I want. <laughs> I'd like to see a longer list,
0: right? So I can page down and, and quickly scan to find what I want. Right. And in the media center days, you had plugins that would let you customize that kind of stuff. You could say, Oh, why well, I want to see ten rows, not just seven rows or whatever the default is, stuff like that. And this isn't Media Center. It is a front end designed to look and work and sound and feel like media center. So, you don't have those plug in kind of options. But yeah, yeah no I I believe me I'm not bashing on it. I love it. I think it's really cool. I will continue to play with it. But I need to figure out is this the right home experience for me? And right now, they don't have an Apple TV app that would support this. Now I said incorrectly last time that they didn't have an Apple TV app. They actually do. I couldn't find it before for some reason, but they don't have one that is able to support this interface yet. Yeah.
1: And I like their, like with with MB, their their front end is very consistent across all their platforms. So if if you want an Apple TV app version, it looks the exact same as if you had the Windows version or a Linux version. And that's, that's, you know, that like consistency is something I like with them.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think that Flex got there, too. It took them quite a long time. I am torn on that. I tend to believe that the experience should be as close to the platform uh, guidance as possible, the, the, the platform general experience, so that someone who knows how to use your Apple TV then knows how to use this app. But... The good news is that Apple TV and Google TV and even to some extent Roku are all kind of converging on a general way of doing things. All right, so that's what I've been tinkering with, but what have I been watching? So we have finished season five of what we do in the shadows, man, the season finale was so friggin' funny. And then next to last episode of that, also really, really good this season was so much better than season four. We thoroughly enjoyed this. We're continuing to watch the UK version of Ghosts. We're on season two of that. Been watching a couple more episodes of History of the World Part Two, And of course, my big shame, big brother, 25, going strong, still watching that. I did watch all of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Really enjoyed it. I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I did not listen to the naysayers on that. I thought it was a good interlude between the first, well, I should say the prequel movies and then what we know of Luke and Leia in the movies that I grew up with. So that was kind of a cool story. And I also watched the first season, and I say that because there will be a second season of Citadel, Man, they have been advertising the crap out of this show on Amazon Prime. And it was fun. I probably watched it more because Richard Madden was in it than because I really wanted to see the show. But I enjoyed it. I thought there were times when it was cheesy. It had some interesting twists. The twist at the end of the first season, I never saw coming. So uh, I... This is something I recommend, Gavin. You are nodding your head a lot. It looks like this was something you enjoyed as well.
1: Yeah, Cit- Citadel is the type of show where um, it has those twists and everything, but it's just like you enjoy it. You, you don't. I didn't love it, but I
0: enjoyed it. Right? Yeah. And yeah. I will watch season two. Yes. Yeah, me too. Me too. It was fun. It was fun. And then so many people have been telling me that I needed to watch the bear. So I have started watching that and that is good. took a while for me to really think that it was good because there's, I really don't like shows that have that one character that you just despise and is, it just messes things up for everyone. Like The Office had it, Seinfeld had it. Like I just, I, that kind of character just taints a show for me but this show is so so good and i highly recommend it. I have a couple episodes left to go in the first season. Can't wait to start the second. You're nodding again. You watched this or you watched I, it? I've watched
1: a lot of these shows you're you, on your list. I've actually watched The Bear. I really liked I like the character I like shows that have character development like where they take each character and they develop that character so yep. it's like the whole team you know, together, they all have their backstories
0: or they all have a story to them. I love shows like that. And The Bear was one of those. Yep. Yep. And, you know, a little bit of a spoiler. Even The Jerk has a background that's interesting. So that made it tolerable for me. All right. Moving on. I got back to the silo. That's something where Edward and I watched the pilot. And then I don't know if you could call it first episode of pilot, but we watched the first episode. It didn't catch him. I wanted to go back to it. The third episode. Have you watched this one, Gavin? Yes, and I don't want to ruin it for you because the, the last episode was great too. Like, wow, the, the third the episode. The like, Ugh. I'm on a plane, and I am like, I, I won't say literally, probably figuratively, on the edge of my seat watching this. Just so friggin' tense watching the end of this episode. It was so damn good i could not believe it and i was that just sucked me and i'm like okay i'm in for the rest of it so very excited to continue watching that and then two old shows that i've been watching periodically courtship of eddie's father and bob newhart show i got back to both of those so i've been watching a couple of those every once in a while if it's late and i am just not up for something tense or something that i have to think about then a nice 24-minute show. Yeah, shows used to be 24 minutes. They didn't used to be 20 minutes or 19 minutes or whatever. And uh, I will catch one or two of those. And then finally, I finished my ebook for Quiet Leadership. That is something that I was reading with work colleagues. Now, I said finally, but there's one more thing. So I have watched a couple things that are not just TV shows. I watched... The SpaceX launch and Crew 6 flashdown, like within, I think it was hours of each other. I think it was less than a day from each other when you got to watch the launch of a new SpaceX ship for the, uh, I think it was for the uh, satellites for the internet. And then... The Starlink mission—I couldn't think of the name of it—and then the uh, Crew Six splashed down, and that was really cool because you could watch it all happen, even though it was dark out. Like they just—they had everything set up so that you could watch it come down, and you're using infrared cameras, and then they had it just all really well produced. Did a great job of that, and then finally another th- show that Amazon and geez, all the morning shows were just also. Uh, talking the heck out of is red white and royal blue and the only way to describe this is it's a gay rom-com movie and it was a riot it was fun totally enjoyed it while i was away i learned that edward had watched it and i was like wait a minute why did you watch that without me i wanted to watch that so when i got home then we watched it again but that was, that was a lot of fun too so that is what's been going on in my entertainment center how about you gavin Oh, yeah,
1: I watched, like I said, I watched a lot of those shows. Um, you know, just to touch on the MB, though. Um, so my entertainment setup, I use MB as the back end, and it manages my library and everything like that. But my front end is all Cody, and I use a plugin called mb 4 Cody that basically will sync the back end with the front end because I prefer the Cody front end, right? And I use the old Cody front end called Confluence, and I have it highly highly customized so it's exactly how i want it and we love it that way and like on the back end with mb and if you're if you're gonna really dig into mb there's so much you can do with it like some of the things i have scripts that run automatically that do things like clean up shows you watch that you might not watch you know once everybody has watched the show it will automatically remove it free up the space or even i have certain libraries where i never want things to be marked as watched Right, so we have a script that will automatically mark them as unwatched, such such like workout videos or things like that. You know, you you never want them to get deleted or get marked as watched, right? Um, and then there's a, a somebody developed. I actually developed my own, but somebody also developed uh, an automatic YouTube subscription downloader. So it will download all your YouTube subscriptions, put them in their own library, and then you can watch your YouTube subs- subscriptions on your big screen TV, right? Or you know, if you see a YouTube video that you'll watch later. You just click, uh, you know, add to your watch later and it will automatically download it. So those are some of the stuff like I just do on the MBE back end. But on my front end in Kodi, it's highly customized with my Harmony remote. I'm still big Harmony remote user, right? But Yay! I, do, I, I use every button on that remote. Like some buttons will, I, I press and it will show all my cameras around the house. So you can easily see what's going on in the backyard, for example, right there on the TV. You know, I use the guide button to take me into guide, or you know, all the all the buttons have have um, uh, a use, right? I sometimes I feel like there's not enough buttons on that Harmony remote, but <laughs> I have to limit myself at some point, right? And I w- I'm not a gamer, but when I do play games, I play games that I can get in and out very quickly, and I I still like I love my Tetris right that that's yep. one game yep. you know i play through the cody front end and i actually have an old nes remote that i plug in via usb um that you know like it has an adapter plugs into the usb and i can play tetris on my tv and sometimes i just sit there and that tetris is a game you can get in and get out quickly and that's why i like it yep so so yep. if you're if you're really looking to get into nb you know richard like I can help you, you know, if you have questions about something, just let me know. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. I've done high, a lot of configuration
0: with it. I so. don't doubt that. <laughs> I, and If people don't know this, if they don't listen to the Home Tech Podcast, Gavin is a serious tinkerer. I just
1: like things to work
0: how I want it to work. And it sometimes <laughs> takes a lot of work to get me there, but
1: I find ways of doing it, right? Um, And when it comes to shows, uh, you know, we've been watching, you know, on my list I've been watching second season of Invasion right um really good show I uh, you know every episode I have, have has me hooked um cool. we we just started watching a show called The Changeling Yeah um, that just came out didn't it Yeah it just came out we've watched one episode it was um I guess the first episode was a little slow but it picks up after that so we're we're going to start getting more into that we just finished watching a s- show called The Swarm Um, a little science fiction type of movie or TV show really good. Like it it had us hooked, you know, like after the first episode, we're like, okay, we got to watch the second one. And we sat there and probably binged it. Right. So one to check out, um, a show from the UK called top boy. It's like an undercover cop type of show. I really like it from the UK. Um, Futurama just started uh, back up, So we've been catching up on that. A show we really enjoy is called Winning Time The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. It's like, uh, I wouldn't say it's a documentary of the Lakers when you know Magic was on it because I don't know how true to life everything is, but it's really entertaining. You know, some of the stories I, I had to look them up and I'm like, yeah, that really did happen when they cover like Larry Bird and stuff like that, right? So it was, we've been actually very entertained by that, you know, and then other shows like. Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, another Walking Dead spin-off. I'm a big Walking Dead fan. so Unbelievable. It's, yeah. One. I, I know. I know. Like, some of them I actually skipped, but this one, so far, has me hooked in the first seat, the episode. Um, Star Trek Lower Decks, just started back up
0: again. Really like that cartoon. Um, I forgot about that. I did end up watching that. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, so, and the crossover with Strange New Worlds they did was freaking amazing. You know, I was dying with that. You know, I love that. So. Um, special ops Lioness. Um, if you haven't seen this show, um, it was like a terrorism type of show. You have to see it really good action in that one. Huh. Um, and similar to that was something called echo three. Um, and then sometimes we get these Korean movies that we watch. We watch a lot of these Korean zombie movies or Korean dramas. They're really good over there. Um, one called see you in my 19th life um it's about a girl that you know every time she dies she comes back and in one of her lives she dies really early um and she comes back and she's just trying to find the people that she was you know in love with or you know like she her family stuff like that at at all over like real it's it's drama has some sad parts in it but it's really good um and then we've been catching up on some movies so um, it's now, you know, Halloween's coming up. So we're looking for horror movies. There's one called. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> you don't like horror? No. <laughs> Rose loves horror. And we just watched one called Talk to Me. Um, it actually had some jumpy parts in it that I really like. Cause you know, some of the horror movies we've been seeing lately don't get me to jump, but this one had some really good scenes in it. So mm-hmm. if, I liked it. Um, we watch a dog comedy. We have a dog. We love the dog. Um, shows, and this one was called Strays. Um, I think it was voiced by Jamie Foxx and Will Ferrell. So, really, really good show. I really enjoyed that one. It's very funny. um, If you like that kind of humor. Um, Heart of Stone with Gal Gadot. Um, Oh, I want to see this. Really good. Lots of action. Really good. Um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I'm sure everyone's seen this by now. Uh,
0: I have not yet. I still need to see this. I have never seen this and multiple people i know have told me this is the best spider-man movie that they ever made really watch them all uh in
1: in this series it's really good you will really enjoy it and finally uh, we just watched a movie called brother now this is a uh, it's toronto based so it was actually filmed in a city just west of me uh, called scarborough and it was a drama and it was really good and i just wanted to mention it's toronto based really good story you know, had you on like the edge of your seat trying to figure out what happened, you know. So, you know, if you like those kind of movies, brother, I highly recommend that one.
0: So by Toronto-based, you mean actually a, about someone in Toronto as yes. opposed to all the movies that pretend to be someplace else but are filmed in Toronto
1: yeah it's it's actually ba- the story is actually based in Toronto in a city called Scarborough and we, we actually rec- recognize some of the the land of the scenes and stuff and where they were or the barber shop or something like that so you know it was actually a Toronto show but a really good story behind it it was based on a book I believe by the same name so Really good show. Um, I highly recommend it.
0: Very good. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Entertainment 2.0. Let's uh, talk about where you can find us. So Josh is on Twitter, or X, or whatever they want to call it these days, at Josh Pollard. And we are on Twitter and Instagram as Digimedia Zone. D-I-G-I Media Zone. I am on mastodon as richard gunther and gavin is also on mastodon as i believe the only gavin campbell you're also still on x though right
1: yeah i use x because i have a lot of work related stuff that i follow there and there's certain people that i really follow that just will not get off of it so i have to keep my x account
0: there Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I just abandoned everybody. Uh, You are G-V-N. You are vowel-less until you get to the word Campbell. So G-V-N Campbell, as you would expect it to be spelled C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L on X. And um, if you're wanting more stuff from the Digital Media Zone, you can check us out at thedigitalmediazone.com where you'll find my other show, the most recent episode with Jeff Butts, where we talked about what's going on with homekit we're probably not going to have a new episode of that out for a while i am traveling quite a bit this fall so i'm expecting it probably won't be until late october or so that we get another one out but you know that shouldn't surprise anyone i look i look forward to your quarterly recordings <laughs> there we go fair enough i deserve that And uh, if you like to join our live show, we usually record live, and we sometimes do it at Tuesdays at 8.30. I know, it just says usually. It's not usually on Tuesday at 8.30. It's whenever we have time, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever. But we let people know if we're going to do that. This was not live, so you didn't miss it. But uh, that is going to do it for episode 628. Gavin, thank you so much for joining Oh, uh, you know what? I, I'm looking at the time, and I didn't realize how fast this went.
1: Ooh, right? Like
0: it, it was. I had a good time. An hour like that. It just, just like that. It went very fast. This was fun. Anyway, he's Gavin Campbell. I'm Richard Gunther. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Goodbye. That was awesome. that. The time flew.
1: <laughs> right? Like I was like shocked. At an hour, it's just like that.